Welcome back to Big Friendly Sports here in late January. The Thunder are near the top of the Western Conference. It's still something that some of us are trying to wrap our brains around a little bit. Uh, Exceeding expectations, far exceeding expectations here. Uh, Today we're going to talk to Sean Hyken from the Northwest, from the Portland area. And uh, with the Blazers in town and, you know, the last time the Thunder and Blazers got together, it was um, a lightly contested game. But Sean's got a lot of other insight to share here as well. Uh, Excited to get into this. Before we get going, uh, big thanks to our sponsors, as always, for this show and others here at Sellout Crowd. That includes MidFirst Bank, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Fire Lake Jobs, and your Oklahoma Ford dealers. Drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. So as I mentioned, Sean Hyken covers the Portland Trailblazers for the Rose Garden Report. Sean is the National Sports Media Association 2023 Oregon Sports Writer of the Year. And again, that's the kind of achievement that we are really excited about here because our own Garen Emig was the Oklahoma winner of that award. And uh, just just glad to have Sean on here. Sean, I have talked so much. How are you doing today, sir? I'm good, John. Thanks for having me on. It's good to actually uh, see. It's, it's been a while since you and I have actually done one of these and actually seen each other face to face so this is i'm looking forward to it yeah and so here's the backstory is back in 2019 um i had sean lined up for uh, another like a post-game podcast the thunder and blazers were in the playoffs um had sean lined up for game five to do the post-game show and something happened one occupant one observer in the building called it a bad shot um and <laughs> needless to say uh that playoff series was over and sean became preoccupied we didn't ever get to catch up after that game until like right now have we not done another podcast since that i feel like i've gone on oklahoma city dream team or one of the other ones i feel like i've at some point that i know there's been a whole pandemic since then so everybody's yeah. like everybody's sense of time is totally warped i feel like we've done something since then but yeah that was I I vividly remember, actually, uh, we were going to do the podcast because I think, you know, the Thunder were leading for most of that game. And then, you know, I thought, okay, cool, we're going to do a post-game pod. We're going to set up game six. And then Dame hits that three-pointer to end the series at the buzzer. And I I text you, like, right as the buzzer sounds like, okay, I think think we're not going to be able to do the pod, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah, and I totally understood. And and if memory serves, I think OKC had, like, a 15-point lead with six minutes left or so in the fourth quarter. And, you know, that Dame happened and the Thunder did not happen. And, you know, it's you go back and that is a flashpoint moment here in Oklahoma City because Damian Lillard waved goodbye to Russell Westbrook and Paul George in that era of Thunder basketball. And, um, you know, it it took a little bit before the rebuild to finally happen, but that was the beginning of things. Um, And all good things must come to an end, right? And so here we are a few years later, Damian Lillard in the offseason is traded uh, after asking out of Portland, uh, I can tell you definitively like where the separation of that Thunder team started to happen. Like, how did the the Damian Lillard situation begin to unravel in Portland? Well, I think, and this has all been very, very well documented. I'm not breaking any news here, but I think Dame's stance his entire time has been 
he wanted to, and I'm sure, you know, Russell Westbrook felt the same way about Oklahoma City, too. Dame wanted to play his entire career in Portland, but he wanted them to be competitive enough that he would at least have a shot at, you know, doing something in the playoffs. They may it, actually that 2019 year that that, that Blazers Thunder series happened, they ended up making the Western Conference Finals that year, got swept by Golden State. That was the closest that Dame has ever gotten to really contending on a real level was that team. And he, you know, felt like he's, you know, he's playing the best basketball of his career. He was all NBA last year. And, you know, after coming off that core muscle injury, he felt like he was, you know, as good as he's ever been. And he wanted to have a real shot to compete. And so I think there was just some sort of, it was going to go one of the two directions this past off season, because, you know, that last season, the Blazers, you know, they started out, you know, pretty strongly. They started out 10 and four and, you know, they, after the, you know, trading for Jeremy Grant and, you know, some, a, a couple of other smaller moves and it, it looked like, you know, things were going in the right direction. And then it's actually funny that you and I are talking because I think the season really last year, if you want me to point to exactly when last season went sideways for the Blazers, it's the two back-to-back games that they played in Oklahoma city on the December trip. I remember that, that was the exact, like when you look at from like, because that was like in the middle of a seven-game road trip. That one of those games was the one where Dame actually passed Clyde Drexler to become the franchise's all-time scoring leader. Yep. So there on was a free so, throw. Yeah, and so you know he was already like he was like it was already kind of like a weird feelings because like he passed you know he became the franchise's all-time scoring leader in a loss. And then the next game, Justice Winslow has this ankle injury that's. Said, they said it was an ankle sprain, but he never played after that and ended up having two surgeries, and they were never really able to replace what he was bringing as far as, you know, a defender and also kind of backup, you know, ball handler, initiator, you know, kind of a point forward. Time. So really those two games in Oklahoma City was really when the season started to kind of go off the rails. And after that, it's like they were maybe going to do something at the trade deadline to make, you know, bring in, you know, another piece you know take a big swing that did not happen they actually kind of went the opposite direction and traded away two rotation players in Josh Hart and Gary Payton the second for picks and prospects and stuff and then they did the thing again where they basically made up injuries for Dame and some of the you know younger guys and you know decided to go after lottery picks and Dame was kind of on board Dame was not on board with not playing but he was kind of you know given the indication that if he agreed to shut down that, you know, this, that would get them a better lottery pick that they would then be able to use to make a trade for somebody, you know, of, of the caliber of like a co-star that, that he would want, whoever that might be. And then, you know, this offseason and Joe Cronin, the Blazers general manager, you know, both after the deadline and at his exit interview uh, in April, was very, very vocal and very public about we are going to take a big swing. We're going to push all our chips in. We're all all in on building a contender around Dame. They were very, very public about their intentions. And in fact, I think they kind of shot themselves in the foot by telegraphing that a little bit too loudly because then like they have no leverage in any of these trade talks because everybody that they're talking to kind of knows that, oh, well, if they don't give up every single thing they have for, I don't know, Pascal Siakam or whoever it was that they're, you know, you're talking about, then Dame's probably going to leave. And so what ended up happening was none of the deals that were available to them this summer 
they felt was worth trading the number three overall pick, especially with the new CBA, which, you know, John, you're a CBA guy. You're very well aware of like what the restrictions are. If you hit those, you know, those second aprons and all that stuff, they kind of saw what the value of having a pick that high is for a, a franchise like Portland or like an Oklahoma city that isn't really getting big free agents. And so they ended up not, not only did they end up not, uh, using the third pick in a trade to bring in kind of more established help, but they also drafted a point guard with the number three overall pick. And that kind of led Dame to look around and be like, okay, you know, what, what is this? Like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Here? Like, and then, you know, that, that's, that's what led to him requesting the trade. And then of course the whole, the whole off season was a whole, I don't really feel like going into the whole, you know, all the, all the Miami stuff and just all the, you know, you know, all, all the, the way that all of that unfolded where really nothing happened at all on any fronts for most of the summer, but you know, there would be leaks from certain parties about what Miami was or wasn't offering when they really, they hadn't even talked at all. And then they end up trading him somewhere else. And then there's like a bunch of different, you know, after the fact damage control from various parties. It's really a, it was really a pretty annoying summer for me personally, but just covering this stuff and trying to, trying to do it responsibly and not just, you know, you know, there's, there was just, there was so much stuff out there and there was so much just, I don't, I don't know, just, but the, 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 that was all a very long way of saying like Dame wanted to stay in Portland for his whole career. They didn't end up being able to make the types of moves that he wanted as far as adding to what he, you know, what, you know, bringing in, you know, more veteran help and kind of making them more in the conversation of being contenders. And they kind of decided to instead keep the pick and use the pick to draft somebody who played the same position as him. And so he said, okay, you know, I've given yeah. this a ton of chances. I wanted to keep giving this chances, but it's kind of time for me to do something else. And ultimately I think it ended up working out well for everybody involved because Dame, like for as much as there was one place in particular that he wanted to go I think that the place he ended up getting traded to is a bet, much better basketball situation and gives him a much better chance to contend than maybe the other place would have. Mm-hmm. And then Portland got, you know, you know, you there's still kind of sort, you know, you're still kind of sorting through like what the return of that trade looks like, but you know, the Drew Holiday piece of it, you know, then the deal they made with the Celtics, like they have the Warriors pick this year, which is looking like it's probably going to be a lottery pick. They'll probably get another first from Malcolm Brogdon at the deadline. So, yeah, you know, Tumani Kamara, who they got from the Phoenix end of it, has 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 been a, you know, a real surprise. And he's, you know, been a rotation player from day one of his NBA career. So I think on both sides, it worked out well for everybody involved, even though yeah. it's kind of going weirdly right now. But the Blazers are, as you mentioned, based on like the last time they played Oklahoma city and really the time before that they played Oklahoma city, the time they played here, it's not, you know, it's, it's a pretty rough watch right now. And then with Dame, like, yeah, the bucks are winning, but like, there's kind of some weird vibes there and there's been some kind of ups and downs, but ultimately I think both of them ended up in a better place. Yeah. Not too dissimilar from Paul George being traded to the Clippers. Yes. You know, there, there was yes. always an eye over there while Thunder fans were watching the Thunder, you know, taking their lumps night in, night out. Right. Um, you know, and this is going to be, it, this is going to be kind of, um, I don't know, cap geekery maybe, but under the previous regime, how, how, how much of a roadblock was it that a first round pick was traded for Larry Nance, which on the surface, 
is a solid trade, but the way that it was structured, it didn't allow Portland to trade any other first round pick. So as they're trying to put something around Dame Lillard, how much did that transaction actually wind up biting them after the fact? So, you know, it's I I you're you're mean to you mean to tell me that a trade that Neil Olshay made was kind of short sighted and not uh in the franchise's best interest. Like that's is that yeah. is that what you're telling me, John? That's kind of the gist of where I'm going at there. Yeah, let's, let's just <laughs> so, lay it out. So I actually, and I've written about this before, but uh, you, uh, I don't think they, I don't think that really would have been that much of an issue. Every every time I brought it up, like I, you know, during the that period where we thought that maybe they were going to use, you know, try to try to make a deal involving future draft picks. Every time I brought that up to people in the organization, they always just kind of insisted, oh, we'll be able to work something out with Chicago to get those, you know, get that pick back and change the protections if we have to. I mean, I think, and in fact, that might still be something that they do at some point down the line, because the thing about also it being Chicago that they owe that pick to is Chicago is so leveraged right now as far as like draft pick, because, you know, they have a bunch of picks outgoing, I think, in the Vucevic trade and the DeRozan trade. They need Mm -hmm. picks too, and that franchise is going nowhere. And the Blazers pick that they owe them is lottery protected. That pick's not conveying to Chicago anytime soon because the Blazers aren't going to be making the playoffs anytime soon. So yeah. they might be able to go to them if they need to and just say, hey, look, here's two second round picks. Will you give us our pick back? And the Bulls are so desperate for anything right now that they might just say, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how, again, if it's kind of a minor move at the time, but, you know, uh, something that required some degree of work if they needed to, um, yeah, you know, to, to make a, a subsequent right. transaction. Right. Um, so, and I'm curious here because now that Portland is, I mean, they're, they're rebuilding. Yes. And there's also the ownership situation in Portland is in flux. Is that a, is that an accurate way to put it? Um, it's sort of, um, it's sort of tied up at the moment. Um, how does that impact what the team does going forward because you know the thunder were able to pull off a rebuild by sort of having everything in alignment from ownership all the way down you know to the the players on the floor um how does this work with the ownership group while that all gets sort gets sorted out that's a good question because i don't think that is going to get sorted out anytime soon like i know there was that big public pr push from phil knight a year and a half ago mm-hmm. or so where, you know, he submitted that bid that was turned down. And then there was a story in the New York post that he kind of put there that, uh, you know, led people to speculate about whether some things were going to happen. I have heard nothing since then about there being any talks of a sale or any, or any, anything really being in the works or being imminent on that front. I literally at some point, it the team is going to have to be sold because the terms of Paul Allen's trust are that eventually his assets have to be sold in order to, you know, fulfill the wishes of his trust, which is to give all the money to whatever charitable causes he had. I haven't mm-hmm. without actually I haven't seen the physical, like the trust, like the actual document. And so without seeing the document, I can't tell you whether there's a specific timeline laid out for when his stuff has to be sold. I know they've already started selling some of his other stuff. Like he had an art collect, he had like a massive collection of art that was sold for over a billion dollars about a year ago. He had a couple of different super yachts that were both sold. He had, uh, there was a, there was a 
historic movie theater called Cinerama in Seattle that he owned that he sold. So they have started the process of selling off some of his stuff. The Blazers and the Seahawks, I don't know where any of that stands. I don't think there's anything imminent. And if anything, like because of the way that the, you know, Phil Knight went about, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the, after, after his initial bid of $2 billion, which is, you know, way below market value, that wasn't a serious offer was once that first bid was turned down, uh, you saw, you know, the way he kind of started planting that stuff in the New York post. And then there was the wall street journal story because of that. I mean, this is all, I mean, this is all just like billionaire ego stuff. This is all pretty standard stuff. I would not be surprised if they wait until the day after Phil Knight dies, just to put the team up for sale, just so that he doesn't get it. (laughs) <laughs> but my current understanding of things is that at the very earliest, it won't be sold until after the expansion money and the TV money comes in. Because as the trustee of the trust, his sister Jody isn't actually going to get the money from the sale because the terms of the trust are that whenever all of his assets are sold, the money all has to go to charity and has to go to whatever causes he, uh, he designated it for. And so she hangs on in time to get her piece of the TV deal and in time to get her piece of the expansion fees for the Seattle and Vegas teams that everybody knows are happening after the TV deal is done. Then you, after that you cash out, but you, but you, you get your piece of that stuff first. So I don't think that, the ownership situation is going to get resolved any time in the next. I mean, I could be wrong. Everything could change overnight, but I mm-hmm. haven't heard anything to indicate that anything is really in the works right now with Phil Knight or with anybody else as far as as far as a sale. And honestly, I don't think ownership is really that much of a factor in anything right now. From everything I've heard, Joe Cronin pretty much has free reign to like. He's not being told, "Oh, you can't do this. You can't spend like." If they had decided to keep Dame and, you know, add veterans and go that way, like, they would have been willing to go into the luxury tax to do that. And when you look at other stuff in terms of, like, money that's being spent, like, they, the Blazers have a G League team now, finally. They were one of the last holdouts. Mm -hmm. But that was something that Joe went to ownership and said, look, this is really important to me. I think we need this. It's going to be good for player development. And ownership said, sure, go for it. And even though that's, you know, that probably cost several million dollars to get that off the ground as quickly as they did. And it's going to lose them money, but she signed off on it. And there's three summers worth of arena renovations that have to be done between now and 2030 that are, they're figuring out kind of the timeline on it, but uh, she's paying for that too. So it's not, it's not like they're just like not paying for anything. It's just, you know, I think a lot of fans would like it if, a more permanent owner was in place, but it's just, it's going to take some time for that to get sorted out. Yeah. So in the meantime, I mean, Portland has got, you know, obviously Scoot Henderson, Shaden Sharp. They have some prospects in the pipeline mm-hmm. and the way this season is going, they're very likely to, to end up with a high pick again in a draft that not a lot of people are, are real crazy about. However, the Blazers do employ uh, someone who is uh, very draft focused in, in Mike Schmitz. So what what do you think the path is there? Do you think that they're going to, you know, sort of try to build through the lottery over a couple of years? Or are they going to try to get to the middle and then build out? I mean, there's many ways you can go about it. I just find it interesting because, again, Portland and Oklahoma City being similar small markets that are typically not free agent destinations. 
Yeah, and it's actually funny that you bring this up. And this is a piece that I, I kind of wrote a column around, like, this idea after the first time they played each other in Portland. And just kind of seeing it up close, what the Thunder are doing. And I think that how quickly and how successfully the Thunder have been able to get their thing turned around has given a lot of fans here maybe let's let's call it unrealistic expectations for how this can go because if you look at what the what the thunder were able to do and like part of it was they you know they 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 had the clippers over a barrel with the with the Paul George trade because yeah you were they were trading that stuff not just for Paul George but for Paul George knowing that Kawhi Leonard was coming and so they in, in addition to all the draft picks that that Sam was able to get there you got SGA, who it turned out to be, you know, an all end a first team All NBA and an MVP candidate, you know, type of like this is a franchise guy that you can build around for the next ten years. Mm-hmm. And then you look at just how they how they've nailed the rest of their drafts since then, and like Chet Holmgren is now like, I think long term Wemby is probably still the better prospect, but Chet is going to win Rookie of the Year, and Chet is going to deserve Rookie of the Year, and Chet is going to be like a perennial All Star and Defensive Player of the Year type of guy so that's another guy that you have Jalen Williams clearly a guy that you you know there you feel comfortable being like one of your building blocks and even you know a little bit lower profile and you you know at least to people kind of outside of Oklahoma City you guys obviously know the roster inside and out but the you know whenever I've watched them a guy I've been really impressed by this year is Cason Wallace who kind of profiles the same as you know a couple of the lesser known younger guys that the Blazers have which are Jabari Walker and Tumani Kamara who are Guys who are maybe don't have the star ceiling, but you look at them from day one and you're like, this is going to be a 12 year, you know, productive NBA rotation player. That's kind of what they have with Case and Wallace. And like, they have all these other picks, and clearly they have a track record of drafting well. And if they ever do decide they want to get into the uh, business of trading for a star, they can outbid anybody because they just have a million picks. This is all stuff you guys have gone over a million times, but just me looking at this from the outside, it's like every single thing has in the end, you know, the coach that they hired Dagnall clearly seems like he's the right guy and he's a guy people like, and he's doing a good job there. Every single thing about the way that the Thunder rebuild has gone, has gone exactly right. And that's why it was able to be, you know, two years of bottoming it out. And then last year they, were at least competitive enough to be in the play-in. And then now they're like legitimately a Western Conference Finals contender. So that's like a three and a half year, four year turnaround to from, you know, where the Blazers are right now to where the Thunder are right now. I've been trying to caution people in Portland that getting it turned around to that point that fast is probably pretty unrealistic because nobody that is currently on the Blazers roster and probably nobody in the next draft or even the next two drafts I don't know about I mean maybe Cooper flag is but if they end up getting lucky there but nobody that they have now or are going to get in the next couple of years in the lottery is as good as SGA or Chad so it's like you have to get in order for a rebuild to to be able to take the next step you have to get you know you have to have the guy Mm -hmm. that's like 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 with Minnesota it was Anthony Edwards you know with Memphis it was John Morant you know before you know all this other stuff happened but like in terms of talent like jaw was that guy like you look at every one of these rebuilding teams, especially in markets like that, and it's, you know, they have the guy. And you look at kind of what Portland has right now, they're hoping that either Scoot Henderson or Shaden Sharp eventually becomes the guy. 
and they very well could. I I still think, you know, it's been a pretty rough rookie season for Scoot. Long term, I think he's going to be fine. But you know, because, you know, 19-year-old rookie point guards are always bad pretty much across the board. There's like a handful of examples in NBA history of like guys that are exceptions to that. But like, mm-hmm. I think Scoot's going to be fine. You know, Shaden Sharp, I think, still has a lot of upside. But one of those two guys or whoever they draft in the next couple of drafts has to be, you know, establish themselves as this is clearly the guy that we're building this whole thing around because they had that for 10 years with Dame. And now that Dame's gone, they don't have that at least as it stands right now. And so they're going to have to figure that out. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's not easy again, especially in some of these, uh, less desirable markets in the NBA to just go get that guy. So it's good to get outside of our bubble here in Oklahoma City because, you know, a little bit of groupthink tends to set in over time. And and it's good to get some outside perspective, just like you shared Um, in your conversations with people with the Blazers or, you know, with other teams that come through. uh, What what are they saying about Oklahoma City? Are there are there any concerns they're bringing up? Are there some things that they're saying, hey, they need to watch out for this or they need to address something with this team um, because it seems like the sky is the limit, but I, I'm just curious if anyone else is, is raving, uh, you know, waving any warning signs. I think everybody with not just the Blazers, but any other organization that you talk to people from is pretty envious of the position that the Thunder is in right now, because, you know, like I said, they've got at least two guys, maybe three, you know, depending on how good Jalen Williams becomes, they've got at least two guys who are like franchise, you know, cornerstone building block guys already. And they're still on, you know, cheap enough contracts. And that's that, that, you know, it's not, you know, they're not just like, they're not going to be like Phoenix where they're playing, they're paying three max guys. And then the rest of the roster's minimum guys, they have all the picks, they have a good coach. They like every single thing. It seems like I said, it seems like it's fallen into place. I haven't really, heard a whole lot of oh i'm worried about the thunder i don't know about this i mean there is some like oh they need to trade for another star i don't know how much i even subscribe to that i feel like if the right deal comes along sure yeah they and like i said they have all the draft picks in the world they can get whoever they want if they decide to but i kind of think they're i kind of think there's really not many teams in the nba that are in a better spot short term or long term than than oklahoma city yeah you know, it's it's one of those things like that's kind of what we think, too. But, you know, again, it's good to uh, to get some outside perspective on that just to make sure that we're not completely drinking the Kool-Aid around here. Um, and it is it is highly unusual what the Thunder have been able to do. So, um, you know, look, OKC in Portland, especially those, you know, Russ versus Dame years, you know, that mm-hmm. was some uh, that was some good basketball. I'd like to see the Blazers back at that level again someday, uh, hopefully very soon and uh, get some more competitive matchups. Uh, Sean, thanks so much for taking some time today. Um, take a couple of moments here and just talk again about, you know, where you're writing, where your work can be found, and anything you want to plug here. Yeah, I just, I'm just i covering the Portland Trailblazers every day as a beat writer on the Rose Garden Report, which is my website. It's a sub stack, so, you know, for all of the content there is, or, you know, some of the content is free, but for most of the more in-depth stuff, it's a lot of it is paywalled, but I think I do... You know, I I think I do the best I can to make sure the people who are paying for it get their money's worth. So if you want, you know, somebody who covers the Blazers as in depth as you know you and Brett are covering the Thunder at Sellout Crowd, that's what I would tell you guys to do. And you know, also you know the podcast which I just relaunched. It's the same uh, 
same same name, Rose Garden Report. That's just on Apple and Spotify and everywhere that you get podcasts. So that's that's what I would tell you to do. And then you can also follow me uh, at Hiken on X, I guess it's called now, but X, formerly Twitter. <laughs> that's that. I'm never going to get used to that. So I'm just I'm I'm waiting for it to revert. I held out as long as I could on paying the eight bucks, but he just gradually started making it more and more unusable if you didn't pay. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the other day I was going to reach out to an agent with a question, and it was like, sorry, if you want to send a DM, you have to be subscribed. And Yeah, like, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'll you'll break me eventually. But uh, yeah. anyway, yeah, Sean does great work, has done great work, uh, not only with his little venture there, but, you know, uh, Bleacher Report, you've, you've covered the Bulls in the past. Uh, so thank you again for your time. And, uh, you know, if you're watching this for the first time, uh, please like and subscribe. Uh, does uh, does some wonders here uh, for my show and everyone else here at Sellout Crowd. So uh, thanks to our producer, Jacqueline Musgrove. Uh, thanks to our creative director, Michael Lane, and everyone at the Sellout Crowd back in the back, making my stuff look palatable and readable and watchable and listenable. They all do great work and they make this all happen. Take care, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Here we go.